People have interesting things to say about our program, both good and bad. We'll talk about that next on Polygamy. What love is this? Through the years, we have received a lot of responses from our viewers and email and and uh, about our topics and the content, and we generally save up a few. Some and, of the and more interesting <laughs> ones, huh? Yeah, and then we'll share with our, our viewers, and this is share time. Uh, some of our most interesting or unusual comments about what we do and say, and to answer questions, and some of the questions are repeats, uh, but we'll answer again, answer them again anyway. Probably a huge percentage of our viewers' complaints is that we combine the LDS church beliefs with polygamy group doctrine. Uh, we are accused of confusing the two. It's always the LDS, by the way, who complain about that. <laughs> not, the, not the polygamists. <laughs> no, they, don't they care. understand. <laughs> they get it, yeah. So our first viewer response is an LDS woman expressing her complaint about merging LDS doctrine with polygamy doctrine. <laughs> Do you realize when you talk about the polygamous groups and the mainstream Mormon church, you kind of lump their doctrine together as if they teach the same things? I don't know if you're aware, but we believe quite differently than you lead your viewers to believe. First, you stated that LDS believe we will be saved in the celestial kingdom only if we live the law of plural marriage. This is not true. Maybe the polygamists teach this, but in the LDS, we understand that not every man will live this law. In the early days of the church, not every man lived the law of polygamy. I believe it to be dishonest to lead others to believe the same. You said that we believe it is the new and everlasting covenant that saves us, not Jesus Christ. Maybe you believe that, but the LDS do not. We recognize our Savior as the Savior. It is only through His atonement that it is possible to enter God's presence again. He will be the mediator between God and I at judgment. I think where you maybe get confused is in our belief that there are saving ordinances that must be performed in order to reach the celestial kingdom. Baptism is one of them. That is why Christ was baptized. Even though he was perfect, he still had to be. Oh, gee. I still had to be baptized. I know I've read this before getting ready for this, but that's just crazy. We believe that a temple marriage is also required, the new and everlasting covenant. One last thing I would like to say. I know you don't believe Joseph Smith to be a prophet, but I do. I know that he saw Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ in that grove of trees. I know that he translated an ancient record that is now the Book of Mormon. I know that one day I will see him again, and I will be with my family forever. You mock our belief that families are forever. Why is that a bad thing? I couldn't imagine being without them. It would break my heart. Why is it so far-fetched that Heavenly Father had a plan, and that plan was to come here to earth to learn how to work and live together so that we could do it forever? Is that really so weird? Do you really want to be alone forever? <laughs> Tears coming down. <laughs> Now, many times in the past, we have discussed the New and Everlasting Covenant as it was used in early Mormonism, contrasted with how it's used today in, in the contemporary LDS Church, yeah. and they were used differently. Mm -hmm. The New and Everlasting Covenant was always polygamy. Until 1904, when the Mormon Church finally outlawed polygamy, they redefined the term. But the original definition holds precedence because if it was from God, 
he doesn't change his mind. So it was always about polygamy. It was always about polygamy. And the context is, if you read section 132, it's about polygamy. Now, the LDS members actually need to discover their own history <clears throat> and learn that all the early Mormon leaders and Joseph Smith himself referred to polygamy as the new and everlasting covenant. They redefined the term to mean forever marriage sealed in their temple because so much of their temple work included covenants and endowments and other rituals which were established particularly on plural marriage. The LDS may change terminology definition, but God doesn't. If God did give the revelation in section 132, then it is polygamy. And if not, then it's a farce anyway. <laughs> we read this from the Millennial Star. We cannot be married for eternity without subscribing to a law that admits a plurality of wives. And Brigham Young in the Journal of Discourses says, The only men who become gods, even sons of God, are those who enter into polygamy. I might interrupt right yeah. here. That requires polygamy, doesn't it? Doesn't it sure that does. statement require polygamy? The only the men that become gods, and that's the and whole that's, reason for getting to the celestial, celestial kingdom. kingdom. Mm -hmm. yeah. right. Are those that enter into polygamy. So there's no option. Was she saying that, well, some, are, some will have it and some won't? That's not, that's not Mormon doctrine. No, that's not. And Wilford, Wilford Woodruff said this, and God our Heavenly Father, knowing that this is the only law ordained by the gods of eternity that would exalt immortal beings to kingdoms, thrones, to a fullness of celestial glory, commanded Joseph Smith, the prophet, and all Latter-day Saints to obey this law, or you shall be damned, saith the Lord. So, you know, <laughs> Wilford was a prophet, Brigham Young was a prophet, that these are uh, Mormon publications yeah. and they're saying exactly what she's denying yeah, how they, and, and that she's she how they can dismiss those mm -hmm. as they don't I don't think they know they exist no. I don't think they know that those teachings exist I did you no, when you were in? no I didn't now polygamy incestions and celestial marriage or marriage for eternity are all the same thing in original Mormonism it's, it's all the same thing they didn't separate them out about the viewer's testimony of Joseph Smith, we'll point out again that God's testimony of Jesus is more important than anyone's testimony of Joseph Smith. It's absolutely impossible for anyone to see God and Jesus Christ at the same time. The Bible clearly says God cannot be seen. Joseph Smith himself in the Joseph Smith version of the Bible said no one can see God. <laughs> Joseph Smith said that in, in that in Bible. That. It can't be both ways. Either God can be seen or he can't. If he can be seen, then he's a liar and he isn't worthy of our worship. If he cannot be seen, then Joseph Smith is the liar and not worthy of your testimony. She said that her testimony included that she knows that Joseph Smith translated an ancient record into the Book of Mormon. However, the LDS high powers have finally admitted what for over a hundred years they had denied, that Jesus Smith, Joseph Smith did not translate from ancient records, but did dictate with his head pocketed into a hat, supposedly reading from a rock. It says this, Joseph Smith was certainly not the first to claim revelation or to bring forth a new book purporting to be scripture. For instance, the story of the coming forth of the Quran, the sacred scripture of Islam, bears some interesting parallels to Joseph Smith's account of the origin of the Book of Mormon. 
Muhammad claimed that he was God's true prophet and that he was restoring true religion to the earth. Twelve centuries later, the Mormon prophet Joseph Smith made a similar claim. He related that he was visited by an angel who revealed that he was chosen to translate the Book of Mormon, a work containing the fullness of the everlasting gospel. Smith, of course, also claimed to be God's true prophet and said that he was restoring the truth which had been lost through apostasy. So people can say things, but how do we know they're true? You know? right. Can Muhammad and Joseph Smith both be true prophets of God? doesn't seem possible. It doesn't because they both have different ideas about God and heaven and, and all the, the, their conflicting ideas about what that is all about. So a personal testimony of Joseph Smith is subjective, not objective. Without fail, their testimony is not based on known facts. God says to prove all things. He never says become indoctrinated with other people's beliefs. The seer stone that Joseph Smith used to dictate the Book of Mormon had previously been used by him to indulge in occultic activities, something that God command, co condemned, condemned and yes. uh, prohibited. I'm starting to lose my tongue here. <laughs> Smith used a stone sometimes to find buried treasure that others paid him to locate. This is both from the Comprehensive History of the Church, B.H. Roberts, and then I'll read one from... Uh, utlm.org. The Mormon historian B.H. Roberts wrote, The seer stone referred to here was a chocolate-colored, somewhat egg-shaped stone which the prophet found while digging a well in company with his brother Hiram. And seer stones were often used by magicians and money diggers for divination. Evidence shows that in 1826, Joseph Smith was arrested and brought before a justice of the peace in Bainbridge, New York, for using his seer stone, which he placed in a hat to exclude the light, to divine the location of buried treasures. Which is exactly what he did to translate the Book of Mormon. Yeah. David Whitmer, a Book of Mormon witness, also wrote that Joseph Smith had used this occultic practice of reading the rock. Yeah. They often use the excuse, well, God gave the Urim and Thummim in the Bible, why not to Joseph Smith? Well, the Urim and Thummim in the biblical record was never used for translation of ancient records, especially records that contradicted or plagiarized God's Word. So despite the testimony of our viewer, there was no ancient record from which Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon, and the LDS Church has finally admitted it was just a rock. They even showed a picture of it. They yeah. even had it published. Yeah. So why did he have gold plates if he didn't need them? There's some very good and, and, and honest and reliable websites that truth seekers can go to to find historical information about Joseph Smith and his seer stone. And, and, and that he did read from a rock rather than translating from gold plates. And we're going to put these, some links there on the screen, and you can go to them and, and get some great information uh, in their search by uh, just type. Yeah, they have topics in those, uh, right. each of these websites where you can go and look up things, mm -hmm, look mm -hmm. topics. Great. Uh -huh. yeah. Type in Seerstone or Book of Mormon Translation, right, right. and you'll get more information than you ever dreamed existed. And they all have documented footnotes. Yeah, they're all quotes. And from, you know what? Most people. of those quotes are from Mormon history, Oh, uh, yeah. from Mormon's own history. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> what was so shocking to me. That's right. And I felt so stupid to not have ever been aware of them. But Mormons don't produce that information and, or talk about it or bring it forward. Right. It's only right. people that are 
looking and and, and you know another thing about a testimony is when you were LDS you had a testimony oh, a very strong testimony I of did. the LDS church but but now you have a testimony opposite that it's not true which testimony is right I mean how do you develop how do you test testimonies to find out whether they're well, they're based on truth or not yeah, I, I mean, I, I think both Christians and Mormons have to rely on a certain amount of faith, but there's also facts. But and faith, facts these, come first, and then faith. Yeah, faith and, on the facts. And these facts that I started uncovering about Mormonism, I guess you could actually say Christianity and Mormonism uh, both could be wrong, but more, uh, Mormonism can't be right. Right, exactly, <laughs> you know I mean? exactly. It, it just can't be right. Uh, and if they're right, we're okay. But if they're, yeah, yeah, but if exactly. we're right, they're not okay. No, that's true. So that's something <laughs> and to think of. I believe we are right. So well, I believe it's about the, Jesus. There's, there's now, too, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's too much about the Bible that that has proven to be <laughs> that's, supernatural. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, we want to also address the viewer's statement that we mock families are forever. I don't believe that we have uh, ever mocked that idea, and if we seem to have mocked it, then we apologize. But families that are each or and every one saved by God's grace and without works will be with each other forever. We will if they're all saved by the biblical method. She asked, do we want to be alone in heaven forever without our family? Well, our first heavenly relationship is not our family, it's Jesus Christ. And when we're in Christ, we will not be alone. In fact, the Bible says that in heaven there are thousands of thousands plus 10,000 times 10,000 angels who will all be with us in heaven. We won't be alone by any means. Another letter that we received asked these questions. I would hope that you would be more tolerant, more educated than to lump the LDS faith in with the fundamentalists. The fundamentalists have nothing to do with us, and yet you take little shots on your program to make people think that it is the same. What common ground is shared by the Mormon church and the fundamentals Mormon polygamists? Please make it clear that the LDS faith is not the same as the polygamists. <laughs> well, we'll make it clear that the LDS faith and, and uh, the early Mormon LDS faith and the polygamists are the same. Now, they're different now, yeah. but not then. And we are interested in the foundational aspects of Mormonism. We don't have time to cover all the common ground, which is what this viewer asked for, uh, but we will talk about some of the common, common yeah. ground. Listen to these ten. Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. Both believe Both that. Believe it. Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon. Joseph Smith was in conversation with God, which he recorded in the Doctrine and Covenants. One of those conversations is in Doctrine and Covenants 132, God commanded polygamy. There are the one true church on the planet. They are. Each believe they are the one true church. Yeah, each one believes that they're the true church on the planet. Gospel, the gospel was lost and Joseph Smith restored it. There is more than one God, and Mormons can learn how to be gods themselves. We all ex pre-existed in a heaven where Father God and Mother God had sexual relations and begat spiritual sons and daughters. Humanity, Jesus, the devils, and all the angels, good or bad, are all brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the same heavenly parents. That there are three degrees of glory, and finally, they all have a living prophet whom they believe is God's mouthpiece. Now, those are ten those ways that's common, common ground. ground. They're, <laughs> right, yeah. they're all doctrine that yeah. the Joseph, that that 
uh, Joseph Smith came up with, yeah. and the polygamy groups all have Joseph Smith as a prophet. Yeah. So, a so of... there, there is a lot of commonality between the LDS and the polygamist. Several years ago, a returning missionary came home from his mission, and he had been uh, doing gospel lessons with some polygamists, Mormon fundamentalists, and he was surprised that they used the same <laughs> Book of Mormon, and he even said that they knew, most of the polygamists, most fundamentalists knew more about, about the Book of Mormon Doctrine and Covenants than, than mainstream Mormon members knew. Yeah, that's probably true. And that surprised more him. More study. Yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah. 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 Our viewer said, I'm not sure as to why you see yourself as the opposing team to the LDS faith. I guess you really do not have a grasp on our doctrine or commitment. But we do. We do. I was born and raised in a Mormon polygamy group. You were born and raised in yeah. the LDS church. I sure was. Served as bishop for how many years? Five, five, five years, years. You, lots of other callings. So, so you know Mormon doctrine. You I know do. it. Upside and upside down. Do. Together, we do have a good grasp on Mormon doctrine. And I think that we can truthfully say we have a better grasp on its origins. What Another would you email? say? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think we do. And, and you know, it, it smacks when you start learning facts like we were talking about before things that just don't sound right and they don't fit in with real Mormon doctrine and you know it, mm -hmm. then it certainly raises questions. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We do have another email. Right. Okay. I began a diligent study into the LDS history which began to reveal horrifying truths about the church which I had no idea about. In about three weeks, my world was turned upside down, all my hopes and dreams were shattered, and I felt almost like a bereavement in the family had occurred. I shared some of this information with my wife, who had no idea about Joseph Smith's plural wife activities. I was as sincere and loving as you would expect a concerned husband would be. I did what I could in the spirit of love. As I attended church with her during the following weeks, I felt more uncomfortable than I had ever experienced. The teacher in Sunday school class was spending several weeks discussing the dangers of self-study outside of the group and was actually doing a pretty good job at convincing members not to discuss with anyone anything that was contradictory to the church. While at first I was devastated and angry at the way my family and I have been deceived, I have been able to let go of much of this frustration and come closer to having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Your show has helped enormously. I have watched many shows now online and adore it. I welcome the truth and your honest love for God, things that I had no idea about because I had been taught another gospel. These are now becoming known to me like grace. The gospel that the LDS teach is so far removed from the biblical gospel Jesus taught. I feel like I'm learning all over again. I learned what the cross is and what it represents by watching your show. I was taught it all took place in the Garden of Gethsemane and to almost despise the cross. Mm -hmm. Yesterday my wife said she is going to stop going to the LDS church. You are going, we are going to start reading the Bible together, hopefully make our marriage strong again by finding the true Jesus. Thank you so much for your lovely show. We like that's to really get encouraging nice, emails, too. <laughs> well, that sounds a lot like those of us, probably all of us, that come out of the church uh, have that, those moments of mm -hmm. angst, and mm -hmm. we just know the church is true, and so there has yeah. to be an explanation. Right, right. And then you figure it out, and you start realizing 
people don't really know. And then to have, like he's saying, a Sunday school teacher telling them, don't look outside. Don't, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't look. Don't study don't outside study. of this little group. Yeah. The right there's a red flag. <laughs> it's interesting. The July ensign here in 2020 um, has about, in the ensign, has about five to seven articles about people, what to do with people that leave the church. Really? Not in one case does it say two things that I noted. It never says to go study some more, hmm. and it and it never says to try to answer their questions. Really? Yeah. You would think that if I came to you or to my bishop, uh -huh. which I did, mm -hmm. and to my stake president, I have questions. Mm -hmm. These are my problems. There was never any instruction or encouragement in this ensign to have them try to answer the question wow. or to study more. Well, and that's the important thing is to get those questions answered. Well, you would think, and that's what the, the whole basis of the CES letter is. Uh -huh, he, yeah. had, he had hoped that the CES people would, uh, would the answer institute director would answer and come up with the answers. There are no answers. There are no answers, and, and except for we're wrong. <laughs> it's very, yeah, or, or it's very frustrating, uh, I'm sure, for them to try to come up with answers that just don't exist. So, anyway. so they try other ways of yeah. but that's a really them. nice, uh, nice thing. It was to a say nice to letter, you. and thank you, Earl, for your petition <laughs> and and making the help us making the show, of course, uh, for people like this. Um, this letter, letter, by the way, was written uh, some time ago, but it's so relevant to the mindset of faithful it Mormons is. that and polygamists that we thought it would be a good idea to share it. The viewer mentions the fact that his wife uh, denied Joseph Smith's plural <laughs> wife activities, and, and it is strange because. The LDS have finally admitted themselves that yeah. Joseph Smith had as many as 40 wives, mm -hmm. yet there are many LDS members who still deny that he did. Just recently, a former LDS lady told me that her bishop is denying Smith had sex with his plural wives, yet the LDS church has admitted it's true. So uh, it's the official LDS church essays are on, are on their website. The link is on the screen to one of the polygamy essays, and you can go to that. It's hard to find if you don't have the link. But you can go there and read what they have to say, the official text of what the, uh, their admission of the polygamy of Joseph Smith and others. The essay admits that, first, Joseph Smith was a polygamist with his, and his 40 wives. Second, that Joseph Smith married women who were already married to other husbands. Uh, third, that Joseph Smith married a 14-year-old girl, Helen Mar Kimball. Fourth, that Joseph Smith uh, practiced polygamy even though it was against the law to do it. Now, and there's much more, of course, and until these essays were published online, the LDS had denied the very things that they were now admitting. However, they still argue that in these things, Joseph Smith and the early Mormons were doing God's will, and that cannot be right. God doesn't forbid polygamy, which the Book of Mormon does, and then command polygamy. He doesn't forbid adultery and then command Smith and others to take married women as plural wives. We're grateful this man found the truth, which is in Jesus, not in the LDS church or in a polygamy group. The very reason that we continue producing this program is seen in the contents, content of this letter. Too many people will leave the polygamy groups and join the LDS church because they bought into the lie yeah. that, that the polygamists are apostates from the LDS church and that the LDS is the only true church armed with God's authority. But if you have Jesus, that's all you need. 
religions that teach that you need Jesus plus a living prophet and temple work and all that other stuff is teaching a false Jesus and a false salvation. Jesus is everything. He is enough. He alone plus nothing or no one is the Savior. One more quick comment from a viewer. You say that all true Christian churches have the same basic beliefs. However, many Christian churches have different beliefs of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God. So to say that all Christian churches are true because they have a basic belief is confusing. All believe in baptism, and yet you said on your show that you don't need baptism to be saved. However, most Christian churches believe that baptism is a way of salvation. And this is confusion. I was totally confused about sure. Christianity until I became one and started studying up yeah. on the, what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And genuine Christian churches do not have different beliefs from each other or from the Bible regarding salvation. To be a genuine Christian church, they must adhere to the basic biblical Christian gospel. They agree on who God is, on who Jesus Christ is, and the Bible alone is used for our doctrine and our behavior. But some do differ on modes and times of baptism, communion, speaking in tongues, and other sideline doctrines. But those are not salvation issues. No authentic Christian church will teach that any works, including baptism, must be completed to help achieve salvation. Mormonism has always misunderstood and misrepresented biblical Christianity. We must realize that there are many people who call themselves Christian, many churches who do, but based on their belief and doctrine, they're not. And it really doesn't matter what anyone says about it because it's what the Bible says is what counts. That's why we use the Bible to judge all our comments. Water baptism has nothing to do with salvation. If it did, Jesus died in vain. Neither baptism or polygamy is the Savior. Good. Good point. But water baptism does have to do with obedience. And and um, we have John chapter 3 is often used as a proof yeah. text for uh, baptism being part of salvation. Yeah, verses 5 through 7. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So being born of the water and the spirit is Jesus describing the physical birth, water, and the spiritual birth, the Holy Spirit. He is the one who seals us to God. So keep your comments coming. We love hearing from our viewers, and we do look forward to answering your questions. We have another email, kind of a long one. We didn't have time this time, so we're going to do it next time. Yeah. So I hope that answers yeah, and some and of Nicodemus, their concerns. I was just thinking Nicodemus, that's what he understood. He was mm -hmm. talking about the birth. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How can you be born again? Well, we can see the contrast right there in the yeah. passage. The yeah. first is the, the water, yeah. it's the spirit, physical birth, spiritual spirit. birth. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, Earl, again. Yes. I appreciate yes. it. <laughs> Jesus said that on Judgment Day, many people will complain that they did all these wonderful works. Surely that counts for something. But Jesus will tell them, I never knew you. Works will never establish a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Works will never erase a single sin. Works will never make a person righteous. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can do all those things and more. To know Jesus is possible only through his blood shed on the cross. To ignore the blood and the cross and seeking to establish your own righteousness will only result in Jesus saying, Away from me, I never knew you. This is the final and forever rejection. The biblical saving gospel consists of the cross, the blood, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, not your good works.
Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.